Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. How are you? Not great. Not great. Well, I yes, I'll just put it out there in case I do sound a bit different. I didn't party that hard on my birthday because I started to lose my voice at the beginning of the week. So it's better now, but yes. it's definitely not at my usual capacity. So apologies for my husky sounding voice. So at least they'll be able to tell the difference between both of our voices. That is true. Yes. Definitely a slight slightly different sound this week. At least you still had a nice birthday celebration. You weren't Did. sick, which was good. I wasn't good. sick, no, and thankfully all fine. It's just the tales of having larger tonsils mm. just have a weak throat. I wonder where I get that from. Sorry, but I had mine removed when I was very little. And it I'm is the last de- one standing yeah, in the family. It definitely with is my weakness as well. So, yeah. yes, sorry about that mm-hmm. hereditary bit. Yeah, I chickened out of getting mine taken out last year. So, there's my lesson. Uh, so, other than, yes, this week's birthday celebrations, it's just been a lot of resting my voice and hot water with lemon. That's good. Well, obviously it's done the trick. Yes, exactly. So this week we're very lucky. We spoke to Jamie Block from Mind Movers Psychology. She is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to psychology and dealing with everyone from toddlers, you know, parents with toddlers to adulthood and managing communication. She has a clinic in Double Bay but also does virtual sessions and she did mention also some online courses coming soon. So I think that'll be very helpful for a lot of families. Yeah, she was very level-headed. Like, you know, obviously her um, well, her training obviously has allowed her that, but yeah. at the same time she just seems, you know, like a, a good solution solver, which is really nice. very calming Very, very calming. As well, mm. which I'm sure is... It's probably not a, a requirement, but I think it's a really mm, easy great to listen to person to yeah to mm. have if you're trying to deal with conflicts. Um, we know that we're very lucky that we have a great relationship, but since launching this podcast, I think a lot more people have become a bit more open about talking about their sort of niggles about their mum or daughters, vice versa. So if that's the case, you're certainly not alone and. Hopefully after today you'll feel a bit sort of better about how to resolve deal. some of them. Yeah, 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 deal with issues. Yeah, as I said, she was very level-headed and, and a lot made just a lot of common sense. Yeah. You know, just being honest and not being aggressive and, you know, just being open, you know, discuss discussion and, you know, trying to avoid as much conflict as possible. Yeah, and also that 
if something's been, if you've had that sort of treatment done in terms of a particular kind of role in your life, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the same relationships with your own kids. I know that from someone I've spoken to that, you know, has said she parents very differently because of it. And and I think it's important for people to realize that, yeah, it does, history doesn't have to repeat itself. So, you know, Jamie will give you that confidence to how to approach your own relationship and and you don't have to follow the one necessarily yes, and she, Yeah, and she also gave wonderful advice for, you know, the people that are, you know, missing their mums or parents who, yeah. you know, they live overseas or vice versa mm. and they haven't been able to see each other and that's been a challenge in itself Yeah, because, of course, we're very lucky that we all live in the same city and we could see each other. Yeah. But it's very difficult. Some people or some families haven't seen each other, I would say, going on for, you know. Two years. Easily two years. Yeah. And, and that's hard. Yes, there's FaceTime, thank goodness. But it's not quite the same. You can't, you no, know, it's very hard to give a virtual hug. Yeah. I mean, don't you remember? I think the first time we finally hugged in 2020, I think it was Mother's Day. I just was like, oh, forget it. And Oh, when we were isolating from yeah, each other each in other. the beginning of COVID. Yeah. That was so difficult. And that's just, you know, and that was such a brief, I mean, looking back on 2020, it was such a brief moment in time. Mm, mm. But for someone like Nicole, who's my brother's girlfriend, and I know she's listening, she hasn't been able to see her parents. They live in London and and not been able to hug them. We give her lots of hugs to make up for it. It's hard, but, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not quite, quite the same. Not quite the same. So whatever kind of relationship you have, even if it's a good one, Jamie really is good to listen to. If you've got young kids, I know I found it very helpful and I probably have to reach out to her a little bit more just to deal with That's my good. tantruming too. Yes. Well, anyway, it's good to have her as a backup anyway. Yes. And no, nice to know she's there. But yeah, she she was definitely um well, good to listen to and and hopefully, yeah, you'll enjoy listening to her wise wisdom. Yes. And if there's any subject that you want us to cover with her, we I think it'll be great to have her come back mm. in a few weeks. So feel free to send us a DM about it um, that we can pass on to Jamie. Or you can obviously, if there's something that you want to discuss with her and have a session with her, definitely reach out to her because I think either, either if it's virtual or in person, she's more than happy to help out families in any way she can. So very good. Enjoy and, and looking forward to hearing all of your feedback. Lovely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So to start, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your career so far? So my name is Jamie Block and I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I'm the founder of Mind Movers Psychology. Um, we're a real clinic in Double Bay and we also are an online community where we offer uh, people that might not necessarily come to the clinic or uh, seek the support of a psychologist, psychologically supported advice to support families um, and parents, especially mothers and, and fathers around understanding different psychological concepts for children and, and how how to parent and just supportive context around skills and things that people can implement in their daily lives that can help them, even if they're not seeing a psychologist. That's great. And I'm sure for a lot of parents, that's extremely helpful, especially yeah. last year. I'm sure that was really helpful for a lot of parents. Yeah, quite yeah, cha- challenging. 
Yeah, a lot of uh, families reached out um, online, people that weren't particularly um, familiar with psychology or, or I guess had never been through challenges before. There were lots of people kind of reaching out, trying to figure out ways to help support their children through such a terrible uh, year when their schools were kind of closing mm. and opening and as well as just the family dynamic because no one had kind of been on top of each other for such an extended period of time before. Oh, obviously. I mean, that yeah. happens, you know. You know, even when you go on a family holiday, you realise that families aren't designed to be spent with each other 24-7. Like there's a reason why there's some separate time because, yeah, once you spend that much time, I guess problems or little niggles do arise. So well, I'm sure that happens. I think even the homeschooling as well must have yeah. been such a challenge for mothers, you know, trying to deal with that. They're not teachers. So that would have Except, been a challenge yeah. in itself. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, as adults, we're really great at regulating our emotions and listening and doing what we need to do to get things through. But children just don't have the brain capacity yet to do things like that. So you're constantly with children 24-7 that don't have um, executive function and, and the ability to problem solve and regulate their emotions. And it's like living, I guess, with crazy people <laughs> all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot. Of, I mean, look, there are a lot of fun, but yes, it can be, yeah, they, they have their challenges. That's for sure. Um, Definitely. So all relationships, family members, sometimes issues can arise, obviously. And, you know, let's 2020 aside in general, families can have some issues What's the best way to start tackling it before it becomes a bigger issue? I think the most important thing that I tell parents all the time is early intervention, being preventative and looking at um, putting things in place prior to things becoming really bad. I think a lot of parents get quite anxious rightfully so when someone at school or a preschool teacher might mention something about a child and people kind of go into the defense and don't want to make a big deal out of a problem. But when we kind of ignore it, it only gets worse. Children don't really grow out of their issues. They just grow more into them. And if we get it early, we can always help them and we can help them develop skills before it actually does become a problem. That That's makes sense. Yeah. And with mothers and daughters, is there a reason there can be tensions between mothers and daughters? Is it like just the female against the female or? I was going to say, yeah, clearly that's not our issue, but obviously we know that it can, it can arise. Yeah, I think um, mother-daughter conflict is really common and I think the most important thing if anyone's listening today is to know that uh, because of the role um, and the society expectations that have been placed on women for so many centuries, a lot of those kind of um those needs and those things that a woman, a woman's role become the things that are of conflict between a mother and daughter. So for instance, um, in traditionally in society, women are seen as caregivers um, and must put others before themselves. And that can become quite a huge conflict point between mothers and daughters. So a mother might be doing things for the daughter uh, and the daughter's not acknowledging or um, being grateful. And mm. then that becomes a conflict point. So mothers tend to, to systemically take out those transgenerational issues on the daughter because it's something that they have in common. And then it unfortunately becomes a pattern that the daughter then learns to develop in their own relationships. Yeah. And then it just gets passed, passed down. down through mm. generations. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I guess, have you seen it arise at a particular time or particular stage or is it just it depends as it, you know, as you said, early intervention usually helps with 
kids and parents, but is there a particular age where you can see that there are more tensions arising with mothers and daughters? Yes, I think the most um, important age for a woman or for a young woman is teenagehood and when they become, when they start to become their own person and their own independent thinking, their own independent thoughts, that can be a, quite a sticky point for mothers and daughters because what often happens is that daughters might feel lots of pressure on them from a mother um, whether it's actually there or it's something that they're feeling as a woman themselves, it then becomes kind of like a mirror relationship. So what the daughter might be feeling gets kind of mirrored and taken out on the mother and vice versa. So that can be quite a easy time to create lots of conflict in that relationship. And I guess that's one of the things between and when you're a teen, obviously there are a lot of hormones involved and so that can obviously sway a lot and makes it quite of a challenge in itself because it's like dealing with the toddler all over again. You you know, it's not that they can't regulate their emotions, but at the same time, they've got this hormone surge and they're not sure what to do with it. And then the mum is just trying to be the caregiver as, as you said, that that's, that's what they, you know, that's what we're designed to do. Yeah, definitely. I think also added to that is that teenagers start to develop their own thinking and they're very unfiltered. So it's that (laughs) age where you're getting all their thoughts about you and they're unfiltered. Uh, And it's easy to kind of blame it on hormones, but it's really just their beliefs and thoughts starting to come out into fruition. I can give you a little example of a typical mother-daughter conflict yeah. Um, I'm just going to use pseudonym names just in case Perfect. it feels similar to someone that might yeah, be listening. That's the best. Uh, yeah. So if we think about a mother-daughter relationship, often a parent might come in for their teenager because they're wanting their teenager to have a space to talk. Uh, they might want their child to work on their emotion skills. They might be finding their child quite difficult, especially their the young daughter might be finding her quite unruly um, and rude would be, oh, you know, my daughter's so rude to me. Mm. She doesn't listen to me. She doesn't respect me. Um, And often what kind of comes out of those um, conversations that I have with those teenage girls is that what they're finding is that their mother isn't very good at articulating their needs um, or communicating how they feel and that the daughter's feeling lots of pressure to be a mind reader, to read how mum's feeling and to meet mum's needs. Um, And an example would be, um, you know, having, uh, desiring an emotionally honest relationship with your mother, but finding that your mother's being passive aggressive. So instead of saying, um, you know, really irritating when I had to be your taxi driver all of Saturday night and then on Sunday you wouldn't even have breakfast with me. Um, A mother might kind of wake up in the morning and be passive aggressive. So, you know, coming into the room going, oh, I guess you're going to be staying in your room for breakfast rather than saying, I wish you'd come down and and have breakfast with me. Mm. I miss our our time together. So that's often a conflict that comes up in the sessions with daughters. And I guess from that example, communication is definitely key in those sorts of, I mean, in, in any relationship, obviously communication is key. But are there tools that mums especially of teens can look into or just is there like a little bit of a easy easy is the you know if only it was that easy but is there something that mothers can fall back on as a as a guide to sort of how best to communicate their own feelings because obviously that's you, you know you want to be honest and a mother that mother probably is being honest it's just coming out in the wrong way so is there the best kind of cheat sheet that we can think of to best communicate with a teen 
Yeah, I think the most important thing for any parent um, is to really remember that nothing our children do or say or act is a reflection of us. Um, and that that a lot of the time, even as adults, when we have conflict with another adult, there that other person's going through something and it's about being understanding and empathetic that what we might be seeing isn't necessarily what we think is happening and and also as a woman being understanding that we've had generations of challenges where we haven't been able to voice or communicate how we feel and that it's really important as the adult to be a mirror of what we want to see so that means making the first move even if you think your daughter is being challenging and difficult and you don't want to give in to them make that first move you know show them that you love them and you care about them um, make that change yourself and always come from a place of empathy and understanding and, and not kind of bite, bite into that. Yeah, don't, don't be aggressive. Might be kind of presenting to you. Exactly. Yes. Aggressive never helps. No, I mean, no, no. And, and sometimes it's frustrating because it is always the fallback. You know, I have two toddlers at home and, you know, we always want them to do what we ask that's just pretty normal and say, you know, stop screaming and this, that and the other, but you're screaming at them to get them to stop screaming and you're just like, I'm on this, like you're almost on a wheel yeah. and trying to get off and and you want to sort of take that step forward in terms of making the right move first, but it's just, it's really, it's a it's an easy fallback, maybe that's what it is, is just you're saying what you think but it's not necessarily how you really feel because you might, you know, generally I think people are, empathetic but it doesn't always read that way when people are talking to each other exactly and I think as you said it is a will and I kind of call it the merry-go-round and and because we're human we can't kind of avoid the merry-go-round but being a mirror to a child and to a teenager means being able to also acknowledge when you've done something that wasn't necessarily what you wanted or you you know there was a miscommunication and I think it's that honesty that children and teenagers really, really love. So it's, you know, even with your toddler, it's like, you know, getting back on their level saying, you know, mommy shouldn't be screaming, but mommy's really frustrated. You know, and with a teenager, it could be, you know, going into their room after you've been passive aggressive and saying, I'm really sorry. I was really rude this morning. I'm just feeling really frustrated with our relationship and I wasn't sure what else to do, but I know it was the wrong thing. You know, when we can admit that we're not perfect and that, and that life is challenging and that we find it challenging too, we normalize for them the challenges they're going through and they're more likely to be vulnerable, open up and, and be um, okay with whatever mistake that's happened that morning or that day. In, in saying that, it's, it's sometimes so hard to say you're sorry. You know, that, like I find that, that that's a bit of a stumbling block with people because obviously from your point of view, you don't think you've done anything wrong. But I think probably the first move is sometimes to say, you know what, I'm sorry you know, let's do a bit of a restart or whatever. Because I think if somebody doesn't make that move first and and sort of say they're sorry, it's it kind of hard to move on. Definitely. And I think that that's a really big reflection of society that we don't really value vulnerability as strength. Yes. What we've all been kind of taught is that strength comes from, um, you know, being, you know, being the bigger, better person. And, and what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, not admitting vulnerability. Well, actually, no, strength is vulnerability. And when we can share our true emotions with people, then we can actually move forward. Yes. If you know, we're in this lockheads of I'm not going to say sorry and you're not going to say sorry, then we lose that relationship and, mm. and we're all losing. It's like a lose-lose Yes, um, when we can find win-win with vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, and I also think sometimes it doesn't mean that 
you know, when you have apologized, it doesn't mean that you were necessarily wrong or the other person makes the other person right. I think that's where everyone, you know, that's the sometimes a stumbling block is that just because you said sorry, you've you've admitted a wrongdoing rather than sort of saying sorry to give it a, a reset, you know, so you aren't continuing to make something that might be so minute so much worse, which is then even harder to go back and, and fix and repair with your own mum or your own daughter. Exactly. And I think that, I think what you're saying is so spot on. It's not just about saying sorry, it's about over communicating. And I always talk about this thing, you know, we always have to over communicate and explain the inner workings of our mind to our children. So explain exactly what you're apologizing for rather than just saying, I'm sorry. Mm. It could be, I'm really sorry that I hurt you. I'm really sorry that you misunderstood what I was saying. You know, you know, I love you and, and I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to make you feel small. It could be just really expanding on something that you've noticed in your child. And it's being a detective trying to decide what your child might be upset and hurt about. And then the easiest way to do that is to reflect internally on yourself and think, well, if I was in my child's situation and, and it was my parent doing that, how would it make me feel? So we have to sometimes get into the mind of our children, which is really hard because, you know, we're adults and we've been through all that. And most of us might have put the lock and key on that side of our lives behind us whilst we move forward as adults. Yeah. And I think, Look, I know as a teenager, and, and I've never been shy about this, I know I was a very easy teenager for my mom, but it was also a very different generation. And now with social media, I think it would be like that's an extra challenge for parents because it's not so easy to get into the mindset of kids because it's like the technology advancements have been so significant that how how can mothers sort of have an open communication so that obviously that, you know, with between bullying or, you know, having a child having anxiety from obviously looking at things on social media and, and those sorts of things. Is there anything that a mother can do? Because obviously being on social media as a parent is very different to being a teenager on social media. So the most important thing a parent can remember is to remember to listen to your children. I think what we often do is when our child comes to us with a problem, you know, a common thing might be, oh, you know, I don't know which phone case to get or, you know, this person wouldn't sit next to me. As parents and as adults, we might look at their problem and think, oh, you know, this isn't a real problem. This is this is ridiculous. You know, a real problem is, you know, paying a mortgage or trying yeah. to balance your time or, uh, you know, someone's sick in the family and we might dismiss our children and then what happens is that they feel unheard and not validated and they won't share those problems with us as they get older. I think the most important thing is to be able to sit with our children and, and just be able to listen to their stories, even if we think they're ridiculous or we don't think they're problems. We have to remember that children uh, don't have the same responsibilities as we do and their problems might seem small to us, but to them they're giant mountains and they're really hard and, and we have to sit there and validate those emotions. Even if hard, we have to bite our tongues. Of course, because I think if you listen to the little problems, they will share the big problems with you in the end. Exactly. I also find with teenagers that they sometimes don't even know how they're feeling mm. or what's really bothering them. And you might kind of get someone at home who might be moody and shutting themselves in the room and direct questions like, you know, what's going on? I've noticed you being, you know, super irritable lately. And you'll just get nothing, mum, nothing's wrong. And yeah. maybe, mm. you know, the door shutting in your face or 
more dismissiveness. I think it's important to sometimes relate to children your own experiences at times when you found life hard and sharing with them that sometimes we might not know how we feel, but it doesn't change that there might be something going on for us. And just being able to be relatable, normalize that we all all have difficult times in our lives and that they all share universal truths, that, you know, all emotions pass nothing lasts forever and that, you know, they've got this safe place to come to if they need support and problem solving. Mm. And I think that's as a parent, that's what you want at the end of the day. You want your kids to feel comfortable coming to you with anything because like my mum said, if it's small, when something's major, you, you hope, you know, you can't always expect them to come to you for the major things. If every time they've come to you with a small thing, you're dismissing them and being like, oh, that's not a big deal. What are you coming to me for? Eventually, it's sort of like a pattern that they're like, well, why would I come to you with a big problem if you can't even help me with my small problems? Exactly. And even to the reverse of that, if a child comes to you with a small problem and a parent overreacts and I'm calling that person's parent and I'm going to go straight to the school on Monday, a child then learns not to tell their parents Mm. because they're so afraid of what that big reaction will be that when there is a big thing later on like I don't know something bad happened at a party or they witness something that's made them really scared then they're not going to come to you with it because they're going to be afraid that you're going to take that how you're going to react and and not do as that exactly Mm. and you're going to overreact and then Mm. they're not going to share those big things with you Mm. and I think you know as we grow up obviously if there's a point that you reach and you have had a conflict with your mom or vice versa if you have with your daughter and you know those can be over big major things if it's a partner if it's a life choice you know whatever it might be what is the best way to kind of take a step forward and resolve it even if it's you know been a few years or you know whatever it might be but what's a good first step I guess it'll you know case dependent but usually what is a good first step I think it's really important to remember, especially if a situation is, you know, like your mom doesn't like your partner, that what is the underlying feeling that your mom's feeling? What is the underlying message that's that's occurring? You know, is your mom worried about you? Does your mom, you know, think that that relationship is toxic? Does your Is your mom feeling left out now that you have this relationship? Is your mom feeling invalidated? What could you, that person be feeling on the other end of the relationship that could be coming out as this issue with your partner? And remembering that it's not really the partner that's the problem, it's the relationship between you and your mom and the communication that's occurring. Because even, you know, if we don't like our um, our daughter's partner or, or something that's going on in someone's life, when there's good communication, when there's open honesty and there's validation and everyone's listening and trying to find middle ground, then no matter what, we can always move forward. So I think the first step is to try and, you know, try and not take it personally and try figure out what that other person could be feeling. And the second thing is to remember to make the first move because, mm. you know, we, your life goes in a, in a flash and yes. life's too short to be feuding and fighting with people. And, and even if you don't get to have that relationship you really want with your mother, it's about trying to, to figure out what you can have that will help you be able to, you know, live when you're 80 and look back on life and be like, I'm really glad that I did that. I'm really glad that I tried rather than looking back at 80 and thinking, gosh, I wish I would have, you know, mended that relationship. Mm, mm. Yeah. I know life is too short not to not to mend relationships, especially with it. When or it's with or try family. and have relationships with the people that are closest to you. Yeah. And I think that's probably exactly. a good, good segue to 
mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. I mean, I'm I know I'm I'm very lucky, um, and I'm sure she will be listening. But regardless, I'm not li- I'm not lying about it. Yeah. I'm very lucky with my mother-in-law, um, but I know that can be a sticking point for a lot of daughter-in-laws, and then I guess a lot of mother-in-laws might feel the same way. Um, is there? I mean, obviously, communication really is the key to all sort of conflicts and also making sure that, you know, you're heard and, and, and there are no rough feelings, but is there a way of sort of entering a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship that kind of sets you up for a good lasting relationship? I think it's, you know, it's challenging because as you said, you don't know what the communication's like. You don't know, you know, what the relationship might be like between that mother and their son, who is your husband. You don't really kind of know any of those ins and outs. And and there you are in this family and you might be in the middle of conflict or things that might be pre-existing prior to you. I think the most important thing is to always have that thought in your mind that no one means you harm. Mm. No one's intentionally trying to hurt you. No one's trying to, um, you know, pull relationships apart and, and to know that that other person on the other relationship might be feeling hurt or is wounded in some way and to just offer them love and connection, um, repairing damage quickly and, and making sure that you keep yourself out of that dynamic. Um, I think that when, um, you know, as a daughter-in-law, you step into the conflict that might have been pre-existing or might be retargeted towards you, that's really yeah. at the sun, then you're really kind of creating your own conflict in your family. I think it's about having a separate relationship with that person rather than, you know, tagging yourself to that relationship they might have with their son. Um, and I know that with my mother-in-law that that's what we have. We have a separate relationship um, that's different to hers and her son's relationship and that, you know, that we have a special bond and that we can talk about different things that she might not necessarily be able to talk about with her son. That's lovely. I know. So it, it, is, it is nice when you hear that because, I mean, obviously everyone has a story that they know of a family where they don't get along in it. And it was started over the most insignificant thing. And if you probably question them on it, they wouldn't be able to tell you what it was. Um, but they know that it's it's gone on for so long and it's vested for so long that they no longer can be in the same room or they can't talk. And And I think that's such a strain on families, especially when there are grandkids involved, that you just think, yeah, if you would have talked it through in the beginning or everyone sat down in the beginning, then everyone theoretically should be okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think also having conversations with your husband, you know, sitting with him and saying, I'm noticing this tension. I'm feeling like there's something going on. Um, Do you feel like you can talk to your parent about this? Can you talk to your mom? And if they say, no, I don't want to talk to my mom about it, then you make that decision as a person and you say, look, I'm going to put a box on this. This is something I'm I'm going to leave to you, husband. This is for you to deal with. If you don't want to deal with it, that's up to you, but I'm going to be able to move forward in this relationship um, and I'm not going to hold on to this issue that I'm noticing. Um, and I think it's just about having those individual relationships rather than clumping everyone together. I think when we do that, it really causes more conflict. And then we, as I said, you get involved in lot, you know, decades long feuds or mm, uh, yeah. tension and unresolved issues that might be dating back to childhood. Absolutely. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing worse than, yeah, you know, families feuding for really minute things. Um, we have a f- couple of questions from our audience and we'll try and get to some of them. And if not, we might have Jamie come back on because 
I think it's an invaluable resource to be able to have someone who can really understand what it's like um, and has hands-on experience with other families. Um, One of the ones that I kind of picked up on is how do I encourage my mum to spend more time with my kids? And for me, I definitely do not have that problem at all. My mum probably thinks I should probably pull oh, back a bit no she oh, would never admit no, that I would, never, <laughs> I would never say that no no but it, I mean obviously is there a way of sort of saying it without being like you need to look after my like you need to look after my kids yeah I think I think that's a really common thing that happens um, and I think the most important thing is to start any conversation with an I message rather than a you like you need to spend more time, mm-hmm. you aren't doing this. It comes from an I mm-hmm. because we never really know how someone else is feeling. So it could be I'm feeling that, you know, my daughter, my daughter's name's Jordan, so I just say Jordan. Yeah. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like Jordan is really missing special time with you and I'm noticing that it's making me feel sad. Is there any way that we can create more routine in the week so that she gets to see you more, you know, versus why are you not spending enough time with my daughter? She's upset all the time and it's really causing me to feel really irritated with you and I'm noticing that you're doing all these other things. first one feels so much more um, understanding and warm and connected, whereas the second conversation feels really defensive and aggressive. Yes, definitely. And you're not going to get a good response. Yes. How can I maintain my relationship while my mum is in another country? I guess that's, yeah. Definitely. That's a really challenging one. Yes. Yeah, especially now. I mean, I, you know, yeah. it's one thing to say come visit, but that's kind of not the reality at the moment. I think, you know, I've, I've learned the most from uh, one of my best friends whose family is in New York and she's stuck here and hasn't seen them for the last two years, which is really sad for mm. her. She does this amazing thing where she has them on FaceTime or on video call and she just goes about her day in her house like she would as if they were there with her and they go about their day in their house, like they're there with her. So she might be cooking or she might be, um, you know, watching something or she might be doing washing and they're just having a conversation um, that can last two or three hours and, you know, as if they're still with each other. And I think that's such a beautiful thing um, that they can do that even if you, you can't physically be there, that you can still virtually be there. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness thank goodness for things like FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime yeah. makes a huge difference. Huge. I mean, I lived in New York with my husband for two and a half years and that would sort of be very similar to what I would do pretty much every day. Well, Jordana had dinner and we had breakfast together. Yeah, I would join them for breakfast. Exactly. It was so nice. And I was, you know, home from work and, you know, it's just because also, you know, there were long stretches. Obviously, we physically wouldn't see each other, but when we did, we wouldn't be wasting time on like trivial things because we got to speak to each other pretty much every day. So we kind of were, you know, could enjoy the time that we had physically and and obviously, you know, once travel is allowed back, I'm sure there'll be a lot of great um, reunions yeah. happening. But, yeah. you know, for us, I think that made also a big difference that we were very present in our time together because we weren't catching up because we'd seen each other so regularly and, and we were in constant communication with each other regularly. So exactly. And sharing those moments, even not the big moments, but mm. the small little things that are happening in your day make such a more connected and bonded relationship. Um, that's much deeper than if you're just sharing all the big wins and, and losses. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so we did talk about um, partners, but obviously if, you know, you're having an issue with a partner 
as in a mom doesn't like a partner, what's the best way to start out because someone obviously has had a close relationship and now it's fallen apart because someone else has come into their lives? Is it, again, starting with a sort of a very sort of humble approach to talking to your mum about it? Yeah, I think it's just about being able to separate relationships. Um, I think, you know, it's really unrealistic to think everyone's going to get along and everyone's going to like each other. I think it's about, you know, not looking at life like the Brady Bunch, trying to make everyone happy and get along. Yes. And just realize that you can have a separate relationship with someone without having a group relationship. So maintaining that relationship with your mother and not letting that person get involved and making a decision together to not talk about them um, or to not share things about that person where that conflict might arise and to be able to start to slowly rebuild that relationship together and knowing that, again, that you don't have to have, you know, your mum doesn't have to be involved in your marriage or your relationship. You can have a separate relationship yeah, if that great. person's important to you. And I think, yeah, that is what, it, you know, just because people aren't close doesn't mean they don't have a relationship and it, it's also not a, a reflection of who they are on either party. It's just more some people get along better than others and that's, I mean, that's just as human beings. That's who we are. Can't get on with everyone the same exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, you know, sometimes if we have a fragile ego or we have low self-esteem, we take it personally and think, mm-hmm. well, you know, what's wrong with me? I think it's important to just take a step back and say, there's nothing wrong with me. We just, we just don't vibe super well and that's okay. And, and maybe that might not be how it is forever. It just might be how it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, at different stages in our lives, different relationships move in and out. And just because a relationship isn't working now doesn't mean that's always going to be like that. Yeah, it's true. Well, Thank you so much, Jamie. We've learned so much. Yes. And hopefully everyone listening has learned a little bit. And if they sort of feel like they need a bit more help, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? The best way is to, you know, jump onto Instagram and to come look at Mind Movers Psych. Um, or you can always call our physical place down in Double Bay, but we also do online consults. So if you're thinking you want more than just, you know, some tips and tricks and things to look at, which is on our Instagram, that you can also come and visit us. And very soon in the next few months, I'm going to be releasing some online courses so that people who might not necessarily want to see a psychologist can still digest and get that information and, and have support from me. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for your time. We'll hopefully chat soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.